Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. We are live here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona at the Biltmore uh, in uh, Arizona here, the Arizona Biltmore, I should say, uh, for the league meetings here. Uh, Mike Tomlin uh, spoke to the media for the first time this offseason yeah. yesterday, also addressed the media today at the coaches' uh, breakfast uh, here this morning. I say this morning, it is 9 a.m. here, here right. in uh, in Phoenix, uh, whatever time it is, where, wherever you're listening. <laughs> I know we have listeners all over the country. We're not used to dealing with this West Coast time thing. Yeah. but it's noon uh, back home. Noon back home, and that's why we are on noon to three here live on SNR uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week here from the uh, owners' meetings. And uh, lots of stuff to dig into, Matt, uh, of, yeah. about uh, what Mike Tomlin uh, spoke about. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some audio of that here uh, coming up uh, a little bit later. Uh, but uh, this morning, um, you know, I specifically asked, uh, asked Mike Tomlin, you know, what, what's going on at the safety position. Mm-hmm. We know Terrell Edmonds signed uh, last week with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there are reports out there that DeMonte KZ has, uh, has re-signed with the Steelers. Um, so obviously, you know, you have Minka Fitzpatrick as well. Uh, but, you know, I asked him, you know, what's what's the plan there? And he said, look, we, we still got free agency. Uh, we still get the draft. We're going to add somebody else yeah, to yeah. that room. Um, you know, and he was asked about KZ, you know, is, is, can he play uh, Can he play strong? And he says, look, you know, the, the, the free strong thing is a little over. Ambiguous a yeah, little bit. Right, it, it right. Just, you know, it depends on what, how you want to do things. So, uh, you know, I, I then followed that up with what, what could – there'd be a possibility of Patrick Peterson doing some of those things as well, because he did some of that last year in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he played in the He's box, he played deep and, safety. Right. Yeah. Uh, and obviously smart enough to, to do that. And he said, yeah, they've already talked about that. Um, so a lot of things on peel there. I guess we'll start with Peterson is when they made the signing, I didn't foresee that happening. I thought he was going to be an outside corner. That's where he spent most of his life because he's been so good at it. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, you're a Hall of Fame type of guy <laughs> doing that outside the numbers. He's followed top receivers. But we've seen this through history. I mean, these great corners with size, intelligence, experience, Rod Woodson. The Woodsons. I mean, yeah, right, both Woodsons, <laughs> plenty of them, can start to do new things, you know, and – at his size and his experience and intelligence, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And know? ball skills. Ball skills, yeah. right, right. I mean, he can be near the line of scrimmage. He's well over 200 pounds. I don't have a problem with him you know, matching up with Mark Andrews or Najoku or someone like that. Um, but he can also go outside. And I also think that gives him nice flexibility in the draft. I mean, they're going to draft a corner. I mean, yeah. I think that's a foregone conclusion. But if it's an outside guy, if it's Joey Porter Jr. or whoever – that doesn't mean they're fighting for the same spot, you know. Right. So that in itself, I think, is really interesting. And then the safety conversation, I think, is one we need to have too, because I look at KZ as a high-quality football player. That's kind of a mini me of Minka, you know. I mean, he can do a lot of the Minka stuff. Minka's special, and he's better at it than anyone. Um, but the interchangeability, I think, makes those guys harder to play against. Where Edmonds was a fine player, and basically through my whole career there's been a strong and a free here right. where a lot of teams just want similar dudes that can rock and roll each Buffalo, way or for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect one so i've been wondering you know during the safety transition and they were a little slow to bring back edmonds last year you know would they rather have two interchangeable guys or do you want a strong plus two strong interchangeable guys you, you know, know i i think ideally you want two guys that can take the football away mm-hmm and, you know, typically those are more your free, free safeties. Your sure. strongs don't – you know, they get their back to the quarterback a lot there in coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mink is certainly capable of doing that. Well, KZ is no, no. capable of doing that. As is Peterson. And, and as is right. Peterson. 
you know, the, the, the shortcomings of that was that you didn't want Terrell Edmonds in the deep post. Right, right, right. I you think could put him back there on occasion, but you didn't want him back there consistently. Right, right. I mean, even in too high, it's not his best, you know. Yeah. And we've cited this a lot. I mean, along with like a Derwin James, over Edmonds' time here, he's aligned a lot more than people realize. I mean, he's been a slot. He's been in the box. He's been too high. He's been single high, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They've asked a lot out of him. Yeah, valuable football player. He was. And I don't know that he was a master of any, you know, but, I mean, he was better and better and a high-quality football player, as you mentioned. So there's been a lot of talk of, boy, the Steelers' linebackers aren't good enough in coverage. Well, I don't believe that to be true with Cole Holcomb in particular. Yeah. So I don't know where that narrative has come from. We talked about it a little bit last week, like – you don't have to be the best guy in the league at it. You mm-hmm. just have to be better than what was there last year. Well, that's the upgrade. I mean, <laughs> you'd love the them to be yeah. the best guy in the league. At oh, it. absolutely. Of course, but, but I mean, that's unrealistic. Yeah. But I do think – see, that's what brings me back to the strong situation is if you had a Edmonds clone or a 215-pound, 6'2", strong safety body type, maybe you take Roberts off the field and he plays pseudo linebacker next to Roberts. So – one thing I've noticed in a big way with this offseason is even the gentry signing, which we'll talk to down and talk about down the road, sets them up where, well, they can either take an inline tight end or a move tight end, or they could take a free or a strong. Or, or no tight or end for that or, Right, yeah. right, exactly. Like How you're do not, you want to handle it? It's not, we, you know, your deck's a lot bigger. It's not there's five guys we're after. Well, now there's 15 to fit the bill that we'd all yeah. be happy with. And I think that's how they've set themselves up well. It, it's always how they set themselves up mm-hmm. that, you know, again, if, if the Steelers had to line up and play a game tomorrow, right, they would be able to fill the starting 11 spots on both sides of the football. Right now as we sit here. Like, I'm not predicting this, but after their moves – they could be done on offense. They could not draft an offensive player and be able to line up and play with a better lineup than they had last year. Yeah. On offense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they will add to it. But if they didn't, if, wow, this defensive player just falls in their lap over time and time again, they'd still be better on offense personnel-wise than they were last year. Yeah. And, and the uh, you know, with, with such a young group on that side of the football, as I always like to say, Guys are allowed to get better. Absolutely. And so, you know, you're going to continue to, to see that improvement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from year one to year two to year three. Um, you know, that was uh, some other uh, stuff that Mike Tomlin was asked about. It was, you know, the, the acquisitions on the offensive line, for example. Right. Um, you know, again, filling those spots so, so that you don't go into the draft saying, oh, you know, everybody would say, well, Steelers need to draft offensive linemen. Well, you, you don't have to do have it now. To. You don't have to now. do right. it now. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, – Raven Clark's not the greatest addition in the world. But his third t- tackles go around the league, I'm fine with that. You know yeah. what I mean? And, frankly, I think they're better at the third tackle spot than they were a year ago. Yeah. You know? Oh, and yeah. So, cause, right. I mean, he's been a guy that started on both sides of the line. He started mm-hmm. the guard. So, he's got there's, – there's, again, position flexibility right. on your bench. Right, which right. Is, which is critical. Um, you know, so I, I think that they've handled this uh, this very well. It's, I think it's very much a continuation of what they've always done. Mm-hmm. And so it's an organizational thing. It's not an Omar Khan thing. It's not a Kevin Colbert thing. It's an organizational uh, plan that they have every year. Hey, we want to go into the draft with the board completely open. Now, it was a yeah. little different last year. Everything Probably was open except right. – but you had Mitch Trubisky there. You did. You so, did. you know, if you didn't get a quarterback last year, if somebody had taken Kenny Pickett ahead of the Steelers pick, whatever, right. yeah, they didn't have to take a they quarterback. They didn't have to. I mean, that doesn't mean they would have pivoted to you know, Willis or Ritter or someone like that right away. I mean, I doubt that would have been the case. 
And you're right, last year was a little different. And there has been a couple of years that are a little different, where after the Bush trade or the Minka trade, they didn't have the usual picks. And this year's a little different because they got the extra one. You know, like yeah, yeah. you can really set yourself up for, we don't really need a receiver, but this, but guy this guy's there. Yeah, yeah. He, he, right, right, I mean, right. The, it's just too good to pass up. Right. It's the beauty, that's the beauty of doing things that way. Mm-hmm. You know, when people talk about drafting the best player available, oftentimes when you, when you have set yourself up positionally through mm-hmm. through free agency or, or however you've you've set your roster you don't have to do something like there right. were years like people if several years in a row Steelers have to draft a cornerback what well, didn't things didn't set up in the in the draft where you were picking at all the top corners were gone mm-hmm. so yeah, you, you know so they just ignored that position well they didn't ignore it they just wasn't they available to them yeah they're they were, not gonna you know, reach yeah you're right um you know they get killed over the, the Devin Bush they traded up to get Devin Bush well they could it have didn't filled, work out. I it mean, didn't work out, but they had filled that position previously, and they had done it that year as well. If you remember, they signed Mark Barron that year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they 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 had looked at Devin Bush as a guy who was worth trading up for, so they so they did it. They didn't have to do that, right? I mean, to take it even deeper, and we kind of just talked about this a little bit, but like. Tight ends aren't tight ends anymore. Safeties aren't safeties anymore. Slots aren't slots. Corners aren't corners. I mean, there's an outside corner, there's a slot corner, there's a free, there's a strong, there's, you know, different types of tight ends. So not only have they, you know, not pigeonholed themselves for they have to take a tight end, they have to take a tackle, I really don't think they have to take a certain type of either. either. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's like the Leal situation last year. You right, didn't right. have to take a nose. Or, or What is Leal when you take him? Well, mm-hmm. we don't, no, we don't know yet. We We're just think sure, he's a good football player. Get him in here, and it's, if we're really getting that vibe with the O-line. Yeah. We're just going to keep bringing in linemen we like, and we got a lot of time between now and opening day to figure out our top five and where they're all going to land. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that's true at a lot of positions right now. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, uh, you know, this next month here is going to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro Day is still ticking away here. Uh, we'll get into some uh, other ones here early April. We'll see some of these guys who haven't had an opportunity to work out. Yeah, uh, Devin Weatherspoon comes to mind as a guy who mm-hmm. hasn't done anything yet at, at, at the Illinois Pro Day or the Combine, but he's got something scheduled here, to, you know, uh, first couple of weeks of April. Um, you know, so, see a lot of that stuff coming through. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts here to this whole thing, and uh, you know, Mike Tomlin was asked about that. You know, he says, "I just love the whole process." I mean, you can tell this is he's into it. Yeah, yeah this is his. Uh, this is like Christmas shopping. You know, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, um, and he mentioned, you know, <laughs> I like to, even though it's becoming not as in vogue in the league. I want to be at the combine. I want to be at the Senior Bowl. I want to be at Pro Days because there's things you can gather there that you can't on tape. And then he followed it up by saying tape is still your resume you know we still believe in tape you know uh, scouting i'm paraphrasing more than anything that's the most important thing but being hands-on and being on the field and i don't know a head coach that does it more at the senior bowl than than coach or travels to more pro days you know and i think there's a lot to get from that i, I think there is too and i and i think you you know you heard some of that when when patrick peterson had his uh his press conference now he was a little different story because his cousin had played for the steelers brian mcfadden had played for mm-hmm. the steelers but he talked about you know how cool it was, you know, that Tomlin was there at his pro day. and, and uh, you, you remember know, these things. Yeah. Right, right. So guys, when they hit free agency, again, you're not going to get a chance to draft everybody. No, of course. Um, but, you know, he was there in 2010 when Joe Hayden had his pro day. At, at, you know, they drafted Marquise Pouncey that year. Mm-hmm. But he was there. He paid at, attention. At the, he, 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 hey, Mike Tomlin's here. Right, right, Like, right, I want right. to play for that dude. Yeah. Like, uh, you Hayden know, went, what, fifth or sixth overall, and the Steelers weren't that eighth, market. Or, yeah, yeah, somewhere in that range. Go you weren't going to get him. Like, I've been asked this, you know, like, so will the Steelers pay any attention to the rookie quarterbacks this year? I'm like, 
they know they're not taking any of the top five, but they're going to get scouting reports on all of them. Yeah, you're going to play against you're that gonna dude. You're going to play against them. <laughs> you might sign them like Trubisky right. five years from now or whatever, too. I mean, your your report on these guys is always growing, and it starts now. So by no means are they going to ignore it. Will they spend Maybe more money? so at that position. Well, especially that position. Than, than right, some right, others. Right. Uh, you know, particularly I, I did a thing on my Five for Friday a couple of weeks ago about that 2018 quarterback draft class, or five of them mm-hmm. drafted in the, uh, in, the, in the first, first round, round and four in the top ten, which was a record at that, that point. Yeah, right. Four, so if you, but if you look at it, the only one of those guys who right now as we sit here, which is going to bring me to another point here in a second, sure. is Josh Allen. He's a, the rest of them are all somewhere else, somewhere and else Baker or, Mayfield's on his fourth team. <laughs> right, and <laughs> you know? all in like a year. Sam Darnold's on his third team. Josh, done, Josh Rosen's played on six different teams. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know. I mean, there's two success stories out of the five. Yeah. And one of them's careers in limbo right now, obviously, in Baltimore. But he was obviously a success story. Allen's been a star. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you look at this class and – the chances of four or five starters coming out of this class is slim and none. So know, guy, yeah, some of these guys are not going to be with the teams that draft them. Right, right, right. And this is this is what history tells us. Mm-hmm. Of these quarterbacks in this year's draft class, uh, and there's probably going to be at least four in the first round. I bet there's five in the top Could 50. Be, yeah, five, right, right. five in the top 50 with Hendon Hooker. Uh, history tells us that at least three of those guys probably end up somewhere else in the next four or five years. Right, absolutely. If I not mean, sooner. Yeah, I mean, look at the Darnolds <laughs> of the world and all these guys that are changing teams. Rosen made, Rosen made it out of one year in, yeah, in, right, in Arizona. Yeah, they drafted Hughes the first pick overall a year <laughs> later. You know, So, yeah, it's ever-changing. You know, Is Trey Lance a hit? Who knows? You know, he's been only know. three yeah. years already. You we know? don't know. So, right, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. So you need to be on top of all these quarterbacks. They could be on your team. You could be, you're definitely going to play against them. Uh, we mentioned the Lamar Jackson there, and there are reports today mm-hmm. uh, that he has requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Which is a step further than where yeah. this has been. So we just got done with the, the coach's breakfast here, pulling back the curtain. Uh, so what they do is they line up all the – so the AFC got done. They, they were first. Mm-hmm. So they put all the coaches in – there's four tables set up in four rows. Mm-hmm. So they break them down by division. And Tomlin's table, Mike Tomlin's table, was in the back of the room – so I was sitting there, but I was looking around to see which tables had the most people around them. Mm. The one that was right across from us was the Jets. There were about right. 100 people gathered around that table. And then New the York other table down, too, yeah. I'm looking down, and, and I see down the, down the way, the other table that was had a big crowd around it was the Baltimore Ravens and mm-hmm. John Harbaugh. Yeah, I know so too. Um, because those are two teams right now, quite frankly, don't have quarterbacks. They don't have quarterbacks <laughs> as we speak. They don't have a quarterback right, right. under contract. And – I haven't given the Lamar thing a whole lot of thought, this next step of it, but if he truly is requesting a trade, not going to be a Raven, that doesn't leave him a lot of options for a starting quarterback this year. I mean, yeah. who's available? Yeah, I mean, free agency, I mean, we're, we're only like you know 12 days into free agency, mm-hmm. but the quarterback market in terms of starters, um, outside of Carson Wentz, Right. Is there somebody that you want to go get at this point? And I don't know that I want to go get Carson Wentz. Right, right, 100%. And obviously they could work a deal where a quarterback comes back in the trade, but it's not going to be nearly Lamar's Once quality. again, that, yeah, that I limits. Mean, is that Desmond yeah. Ritter or someone like Sam Howell or somebody like that? I mean, that's still a question mark. Maybe they could get the fourth pick overall off the Colts, maybe. I think they're going to be in limbo this year. I, th- I still think if, if, if I were running a team right now, and I know everybody's talking about this uh, – well, there hasn't been much movement on the Lamar Jackson front. I would wait until after the draft. Mm-hmm. He's not going to sign that that franchise tag deal. No. Before this, I'm waiting until the draft is completed, 
if I don't get a quarterback in the draft, or if if I don't like the guys who are there, or I just I'm gonna tell you, if I'm okay, let's mention the fourth overall pick, the mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts. So I'm the Colts. I just take the best player available. Right. Like say you love Stroud and you love you know Bryce Young, but they're gone. But they're gone. Like, like, yeah, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get one of the top two guys. There, right. 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 So why not then just wait until after the draft? Mm-hmm. Draft your best player available. Let's say you draft Will Anderson. Yeah. Or trade down. Or yeah. Know, whatever. Or do right. whatever. Right. And then you sign Lamar after the draft. You don't. You, you, you're still going to have to give up two first round picks for, for, for Lamar, mm-hmm. but you're not giving up the fourth round pick this year. You're giving up seventeen next year because you're Lamar makes you're a you a playoff. Team. Yeah, Lamar yeah. makes you a better team than you were this past season, and you're giving up whatever. Again, you're a better football team. Yeah, and with all respect to the Jags, they're probably favored to win the South if you add Lamar and Will Anderson to that team, or certainly in the mix. You know, and. I think that is feasible, and then you're giving up a pick in the twenties, and then hopefully the next year it's yeah. thirty-two. But I mean, and we were we were but, talking know. about this at our, at our breakfast this morning when we had breakfast. You know, DeForest Buckner has, requ- has you know said he I, I might not want to be here for mm-hmm. a rebuild. Well, if they go sign Lamar, don't trade me now. Hey, this looks a little different now. Right, Let's. Right, right. I don't, how about we come back? Yeah, exactly. Let's run it back. Like that. now, it's the Odell wants to sign with you or whoever. Yeah, you know I mean? like right. All of a sudden, yeah. Now all of a sudden, you're you're a destination team. Well, mm-hmm. we done because that's what having the quarterback does for your roster. Yeah. That's what having Kenny Pickett in place does for the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. you know, oh, hey, Patrick Peterson getting talked about it at his press conferences. You know, when they signed him, hey, this is a team that I think is on the rise. You know, they've got the pieces are in place offensively. You got a nice young quarterback there who's shown that he can do some yeah, things. Looks here. like he belongs. Yeah, right. and and so yeah, I want I wanted to come here. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. And then you can build around that guy, as everyone knows. I mean, having a quarter, a quality quarterback on the rookie deal is one of the best cheat codes in the league at the moment. And I expect Pickett to take a big step forward this year. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's it's all very interesting. And it is. Uh, the Ravens the, are really the machinations of this right whole now. thing. Um, yeah. You know, just sitting like, that. I, I texted this to you yesterday that uh, you know some some NFL futures have started to be, you know, get released here. Mm-hmm. Over-under win totals. Yeah, the over-under like win totals. We talked about the power rankings last week. I mean, I don't know how you power rank the Jets or the or the, the Ravens right now. And they sort don't of the have a quarterback. Too. Right. At least the Packers have a fallback plan. So what I find really interesting around the league is there's three teams that have done nothing in free agency. Yeah. It's the Ravens, it's the Colts, and the Packers. Well, they're the teams being discussed with the two – star former MVP quarterbacks and then there's the Jets who's also vastly being discussed and no one's done more than them you know like they've taken vastly different approaches but in a way if the Colts really have been targeting Lamar this whole time they're probably saving their money and meanwhile Green Bay and Baltimore have Rodgers and Lamar under contract so they can't go get the left tackle or whatever you know so it's been hard on those teams yeah they haven't done anything it's it you know that franchise tag is is a blessing and a curse yeah, in right. many ways. I you mean, have some money tied up. Again, it, you know, having gone through the, the Le'Veon Bell situation mm-hmm. and seeing how that played out, um, nobody ever thought that there was a, a chance that Le'Veon Bell wouldn't sign his franchise tag. Right. And he that's a lot of money. He did. <laughs> and, he, and that's what he, he did. Took a different approach. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like the Ravens, if they do make a Lamar deal, it's almost like, boy, we just inherited $40 million, though. I mean, they yeah. can make the Hopkins trade or something like that all of a sudden. But all of a sudden, there's no, where do I spend it? Where's your quarterback? Yeah, right. Who's you your know. quarterback and where do I spend this newfound money? There's nothing to buy. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, do you save it for next year? Are you, are you I, I mean, without Lamar, are they rebuilding? I would think. 
Yeah. I mean, I think even with Lamar, they're reassessing how they play offense. I mean, yeah. they went out and got a pro-style coordinator. I mean, they're going to throw the ball more, but they're not adding receivers still. Right. You know? I mean, no, you would think they would have picked up a wideout by now. Yeah, the interesting thing, is, I thought, that, you know, this was uh, Mike Tomlin's quote of the morning, I, I thought. He said that, uh, let me let me call this, he was asked about how is, is winning your division, do you look at the other teams in your division mm-hmm. first and what they're doing in the offseason, and is that how you build your team? He says, well – uh, if you want to dominate anything, you have to. You have to. You've got to start in your own neighborhood. Yeah. In our neighborhoods, the AFC North. Sure. So you have to. Be, you have to at least pay attention to what's going on with those teams. I just, you oh. know, wonder what the private conversations are right now in the Steelers' front office about what's going on with with uh, Lamar. I wasn't Jackson. sitting right next to him, but I did overhear him say something along the lines of, "Hey, I've got no insight on Lamar." You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's on. That's his what he's going to say publicly. But he, yeah, and that's. But he's going to pay attention. <laughs> have to. But I mean, you're. You, the coaching staff, the advanced scouts are looking at the division right now going, boy, I'm, I don't know. I can't really dig into my work with Baltimore. I might as well focus don't on know, Cleveland yeah. and Cincinnati. What are they going to be? I don't know. Why waste my time pretending like Lamar's going to be there or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just fascinating yeah, we'll to see how this whole thing to... continues to play out here. I don't think it's going to be settled anytime soon. I don't either. I mean, maybe today if that – if he is forcing a trade sooner, maybe that gets the wheel spinning a little more. I, I don't know. It's just not. It's hard to find matches for him. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to play a specific way with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're basically. I don't think any team would be as far the way the Ravens played yeah. with him because I think that actually handcuffed them to some degree. I agree. But you yeah. better have a very distinct plan in place. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to our live coverage here on Steelers Nation Radio uh, from the Arizona Biltmore. We're here for the uh, league meetings. Uh, again, we're going to be here from uh, 12 to 3 Eastern. Uh, for our time, it's 9 to uh, 12. So the next uh, basically a little over, little over two hours remaining here in the yeah. show. But uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back. I am Dale Lally. He is Matt Williams, and we are live here at the NFL uh, meetings here in at the Biltmore Hotel in Arizona. And a Phoenix, Arizona resident here joins us, uh, Max Starks. How you doing, Max? I'm doing good, fellas. <laughs> good to see you. at another event that's not a live football This has game. to be great for you because every other time that we see you at Steeler Games or at the Combine or anything like that, you're flying to, to, to come to us. We all came to you this week. I, I, and I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Please enjoy the sunshine while oh, you're we here. Uh, you went to Weinberger, so you already hit one gym already in the city. So. That place was tremendous. Yeah, so, so we're, we're good. We're okay. good. This is fun. Okay. A home game for me. It, it is a home game. So, you, <laughs> <laughs> so Max, uh, since we last talked, uh, the Steelers have made a bunch of moves. Um, free agency has, has been pretty interesting for this team. Yeah, for the second is, yeah. year in a row, once again, building on that offensive line, three new guys coming in, LaRaven Clark, uh, surprisingly enough, all three with Eagles uh, backgrounds, Isaac Samalu and then Nate Herbig. What are the Steelers getting here with these guys? Well, I think one of the things you're getting, you're getting a quality depth, first of all, which is something that we were fortunate and blessed not to have major injuries last yeah, year that right. we had to actually test that depth. But now you're getting some certified guys who've actually played football, who understand this. And, you know, with Isaac Suamalo especially, I mean, you get a starter that just literally came off the Super Bowl season. So a guy that has a lot of explosiveness, experience, and fits that mold of a guard, right? I mean, when you look at him, 
you don't question what he does for a living, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and so, but I think also, you know, with Nate Herbig, you're, you're getting some guys on the outside. I mean, you get guys who have outside flexibility. I think when you're looking at LaRaven, you're looking at Nate, you know Isaac is strictly in the interior, and you could, also, you could say that they're all interior type of guys outside of LaRaven, but that's what we needed, right? Because that was the one area, if you're looking at upgrading the offensive line, you've got to be able to create that push. And the run game starts in that interior offensive line and then displacing human beings to be able to create those running lanes. So obviously to me, physicality, winning at the point of attack is stressed with this offensive line. These moves are screaming that. These aren't little human beings. These no. aren't movement-based players. I mean, they're tough guys. They're people movers, as you mentioned. So now you've got four quality guards you can trust. Mason Cole had a good year at center, but some of those guys could emergency move to center. Uh, you have your, your swing tackle. So to me, if you're shopping in the draft, it's a tackle. You know, I mean, yeah. it, do you have a preference of right or left? I mean, would you be hesitant to move Chooks back to left if you drafted a right only? Or if you drafted a Dewad Jones from Ohio State, he could redshirt a year and learn, learn left. And, and I think the right left thing is overblown. In well, the league, overall. you did both. Well, yeah. I, I, I did both, and, <laughs> yeah. and I was brought in as a right tackle. And then after three years, boom, they were like, "Hey, you can put him over to left." And I'm like, "All right, cool." I mean, mm -hmm. I did this in college, so you know, I think when we kind of get to that exclusivity, I, now I know I could go on my soapbox and talk about kids being exclusively trained at specific positions sure, sure. from the age of eight. But offensive line, let's face it, it's the, it's the land of lost toys, right? It's the ill-fitting parts that on a football team, like, hey, just go play offensive line. And then you kind of develop into that position. But I think if you're looking at right and left, I think if you can get a guy who's smart enough, and he might only play, have played right, if he's smart enough, you can, you can, you can cross over. I thought all offensive line. linemen were smart. Once again, there are levels. <laughs> there are levels. Now, base average high Q is up here, where the rest of the team's kind of yeah. down here. Quarterback Defensive linemen down here. Under the yeah. actually, actually, offensive linemen up here. See it. it's, still, it's actually not quantifiable. Uh, but <laughs> but re real quick, yeah. on a guy like Jones, I mean, he's only a right, everybody says. But – if you draft him at 32, hypothetically, you don't need him to even play week one. He could come in as your sixth offensive lineman. He could spend a year learning left technique. You know, Heavy tight right. end? Right. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. I think that's a great spot for any rookie to learn. Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, and I think that's where the misnomer is. like, oh, he can only – it's because he's only been presented with right. Right, right, right. that's right. what you kind of say. That's because it, it, that was first the only thing pick available. on the left side. Yeah, he, right. he, yeah, he can go play left if you need him to. Guess what? You switch the feet. You understand that, okay, I need to flip things around mentally, mm -hmm. get used to it, like you said, red shirt, or get a couple of games in. Because I didn't, I didn't start out dressing when I first came to the Steelers in 04. Like, I sat out for the first six games because I was like, I got to be the swing guy, even though I played right tackle. If Marv My first game I went in was a Patriots game <laughs> in 04 because Marvell's like, I'm done. I was like, Okay. Um, <laughs> but that probably served you well. You're Serving. not starting week one immediately. Yeah. You got that six-week stretch to kind of get your feet wet. Yeah, get my feet wet, understand the program. And then my first game that I played significant time was not even at a tackle position. It was at left guard. It was hmm. week 16 or week 17, 16th game of the season. In Buffalo, we had already sealed up the number one I remember that game, yeah. And, and, and Alan, Alan and Jeff come out, and they're like, ah, we're not playing. Go ahead, Rook. I'm like, oh, well, Chucky – no, Chucky's going into center. Well, where's the guard? Where's the only other, other guy dressed. So I went and played left guard for my first time – my, my first game of my career as a left guard going up against Pat Williams and Sam Adams. Yeah. And yeah. All Willie all did was run for – 370 yeah. guys. You know, I mean, they're 370 apiece. Willie went for about, a, what, a buck 50 that day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Outside toss zone because we weren't running out the middle. <laughs> and, 
I'm sure this was true in your day, but certainly growing up, right tackles dealt with the power players. You know, left tackles yeah. had dealt with the speed rushers. That's not even close to being true anymore. T.J. Yeah. Watt, the Bosa brothers, they all come from the Von right. Miller's from on the right, right. side. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, I, I think the big heavy guy on the right is a misnomer in a big way now. No, it is. You have to be just as athletic. Mm-hmm on the right side now as you do left and sometimes even more because like you said the premier pass rusher he's not staying stagnant he's no. not just coming from the blind yeah. side now he, if he is a right a right end left side he can also walk over the other side depending on the scheme they're going to try and find the biggest mismatch so you can get guys lining up in, in at the guard position so you have to be just athletic as an offensive lineman and versatile at all the positions outside of center because center is a different skill set mm-hmm. in and of itself but the other four positions, you have to be fluid and flexible. So you just mentioned the, the, the pass rushers moving around like that. If a guy did that and, and all of a sudden you look up and Miles Garrett's lining up consistently across from you, you get ticked off about that? Yeah, you take that personal. Like, like they oh, think right. they think I'm the weak I, like, I, Waldo. I, I, was, I was the fresh fish on, on, on the Catch of the Day report. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, no. So now it makes me wonder, like, okay, so you identified me as a weakness. You put your best guy over me, and he's coming over me every play. All right, I got to show now that my weakness is a strength. And I think it also helps those guys to understand, hey, you got to study everybody across the lines. I think that's the other thing. That makes sense. I'm just a right tackle, so I'm only going to look at right tackle film. It's like, no, you need to look at the left tackle film. Mm -hmm. You need to look at that flex guy that comes in on third down. You need to understand all four of those guys because guess what? A twist happens. Now you get that D tackle. Right. So, And I think that's the other part that – Coaches have to really get up to speed with players and them understanding because, you know, when you go to college, they hand you the notebook with everything every week, and they do. They have this other company doing scouting reports for you that they send in to you. Now you have to do it yourself. The, the pros, they don't do that. Like, the pros will give you the notes and the tips, but you have to use your own knowledge, and you have to understand, I need to know everything, not just that one spot. Right. And the Eagles epitomized this last year and had great success. You're not only getting four dudes. I mean, you might get eight or ten that you have to block on that specific day. I mean, yeah. you might get Hargrave. You might get Reddick. I mean, could they be any different? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Right, right. Exactly. Or Fletcher Cox. You get the honorary right, right. old yeah. vet. Yeah, that just Brendan Graham. Give you you know, power. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to try to bring hockey waves for linemen, and they're yeah. fresher than you are. Yeah, they they want line shifts. And that's the other thing for offensive line. Like, we have – I know they look at us, and you look at the body dimension, like – Dude, this dude's actually. It's like, but we have to be in a special condition because we're. There's no. You're not leaving the field, yeah. Right. Like, right. Hey, guess what, guys? I only do first and second down. I'm not a third right. down specialist. <laughs> third down pass rush offense specialist. No. I've only seen that down. once. Yeah. And that was that was uh, the one year with the Steelers when I, when they ended up having to kick uh, Fanick out to. Uh, oh, Matthias. Yeah, with <laughs> yeah. the tackle. So yeah. if it was a run play, Allen was inside. If it was a pass play, Allen was going out to tackle. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> And you have a Hall of Famer, you might get away with that. But otherwise, yeah, it's a yeah, bit yeah. of a tell. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so so that's where you have to be able to combat that. And I think that's what also kind of stunts when we're talking about the evolution of an offensive lineman, right, and how that position hasn't grown as much as the other positions, right? I mean, pass rushers get bigger, stronger, faster mm-hmm. every year. Linebackers get cat-like quickness. They get sideline to sideline. And DB guys, you know, are just that much faster. But offensive line has been one because – you have to be so convertible to all conditions, right, that there's not as much like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to see the next Tony Baselli. Mm-hmm. And then that guy ends well, up. Fewer of those come yeah, in the league nowadays. Fewer too. come in the league. And then when you do have a Lane Johnson or you do have a Tyron Smith in his area, right, when you get those guys, you're like, i got to keep that guy, you know, yeah. or Joe Thomas. But those guys aren't walking through the door every right. day. So you have to have a guy that's all conditions purposeful. And now you look at, like, a guy, Orlando Brown, who just will now be in our division – 
but he was an uncommon type, right? He was with, oh, he's only going to be a right tackle. Then he gets pushed out to the left. Oh, he's not a great left tackle. Well, the dude just signed a huge deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's more than good <laughs> to enough. Be, right, to right. be a left, but he started out as right and has shown that I can convert. Oh, his feet aren't quick enough. That's okay. He's got long, gargantuan arms. Right. Take so it's like, extra why do you need the feet? Them, yeah. Right. So it's just it's tough, and I think that's where you haven't developed that because we're not shifting out like a defensive line. We don't have special purposes. We have to be ready for everything. And that's why it's more important when you get a guy who is athletic. I think flexibility is really the biggest thing. How good does this guy bend? And then also that brain up top. How can you disseminate information on the fly? Those are the two biggest critical things to building a good offensive line. It's not how many times you can bench press because you get arms like this mm-hmm. and you're like, uh, uh, okay, I'm only going to get 25 times. Yeah. I'm not going to set the NFL record. <laughs> I'm not getting the 40. Yeah, yeah I'm, not mm-hmm. get, I'm not even getting the 30s. <laughs> but, but that's what it is. So, I mean, it's just it's so tough, and that's why you never un- understand how unlikely those guys are going to be. But it's, it's great to see that we have that depth here and that you have a Chooks, you have a Dan, now you have LaRaven who can kind of move around and help you out in some situations. Like you said, also teach a guy at the tight end position. You're going to draft one in day two. Um, find that guy who can possibly be a plug-and-play guy that can play across the line. Well, let me ask you this, Max. So if you are, say, Kevin Dotson in the last couple of weeks here and you see all of a sudden the Steelers adding a bunch of players at your position or even, I mean, for that matter, James Daniels, how are you approaching that as a professional? Pissed off. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to. Because, yeah. I mean, look at, look at when, when I came in, right? I, I was a third rounder in 04, and I was like, okay, uh, I'm behind Oliver Ross and Marvell Smith. I'm like, okay, maybe I can compete for, for the right tackle. Then they draft Trey Essex, following your same round, third <laughs> round as well. Oh, and then, by the way, the year after that, oh, we're going to take Willie Colon in the fourth. Okay, in the year after that, we're going to take Tony Hills. <laughs> we're going to bring in a Jonathan Scott. I mean, so every year, Mike Adams, just get Marcus used to Gilbert, it, right, right. Yeah. you just get used to that competition year. And I'm like, okay, that's the new mark. I have to come in, and I have to be better than these guys to make sure I keep my position. Every year was a competition, and that was one of the things that I thrived in that. And I actually wanted to help those guys. So I'm like, shoot, if I go down, I need this guy ready to go. I can't mm-hmm. treat him like he's the enemy. But at the same time, I also know that that's the rabbit. I had to stay in front yeah. of that rabbit right there because he's the one that's trying, that's trying to get in front of me. I need to keep pace. So, I mean, it helps as a motivator. So, hopefully that's the same thing for Kevin. It comes as a motivator, and it's not one of those things where he kind of negatively internalizes, like, man, they want to get rid of me. It's like, no, they're pushing you for competition because you didn't have any last year. Yeah. Like Kendrick Green, there was no threat of Kendrick Green starting in place of Kevin Dotson. I mean, he dressed completely in street clothes for the entire no, year. Sure. So now you need that guy who can push mm-hmm. Kevin or – Kevin Jake becomes the guy who's pushing. Yeah, yeah. Kevin becomes yeah. the guy who's pushing. Yeah, you know, pressure, right? Diamonds, right? Yeah. Become the pusher or the pushy. <laughs> yeah, <That's... laughs> only I always, two things. I always looked at it this way. I mean, I've never been in your shoes or a player's shoes, but if that player doesn't take it personally that I used a first-round pick on his position or that I took Miles Garrett from right and left the lineup against him, he's probably not mentally tough enough for this league. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's one thing to be unbothered, mm-hmm. but there's another thing to just be completely aloof, right? Like, oh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Be all right. <laughs> this is just another guy in the room. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just wear a sweatsuit this week. That's not going to cut it, right? That's not going to cut it. You're going to be in the street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you want to play or do you not want to play? And, you yeah. know, and, and so I, I think it, it, it again, it raises the, the, the level of water for everybody. Everybody better up their game if they want to get on the field. And I think – when you look at what they've done with that offensive line is they've added a lot of competition there. 
Yeah, and a lot of competition, a lot of quality depth that, hey, if you don't end up the starter, boom, you're going to be in the starter and waiting position. You're yeah. going to be in the hole. It's not going to happen like it did last year where they no. play 99% of the snaps. No, no, no that That's is, just not realistic. That is absolutely an aberration. And it's something that you appreciate, yeah. right, for that year. But we all know that that has a cumulative effect in years to come that there is going to come something that's going to come to head. And you want to make sure you're prepared for it because you remember a couple years ago, San Francisco, right? They go to New York with a full team. They leave with about 10 guys on IR. And you don't want to be in that situation where you're scrambling. You want to have guys who are quality in place. And I think that's what you did. You added not only potential capable starters, but guys who can be quality depth guys who can be prepared at a moment's notice. So if you ask any offensive lineman, continuity is unbelievably important. You've said this. Wolf says this. Every lineman I've ever come across, playing with this guy next to me, Wolf always talks about we just grunted and everybody knew what they're talking about. I mean, and I think there's a lot of that to be said. And I think the short answer to the question about the answer is no. But because those five played together 99% of the snaps, they created a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to rock that boat a little bit. I mean, there's a long time between now and opening day, but is there any concern with that? I don't think there's a concern, like I said, if the guys also have the might mm-hmm. state coming into this. Like, if that five comes in and they look like they have not missed a beat since the last snap of the last game, it's not going to be a question. Mm-hmm. But if there is uncertainty, somebody comes in a little overweight to OTAs, somebody is a little delayed or they had some type of workout injury and that guy's not mm-hmm. available. Sprains an ankle in minicamp or Sprains whatever. Camp, right, right, right. It's like now this is the fire drill. So you got to kind of disrupt that a little bit because you also got to ease these other guys in. You don't want them just coming in and learning. If a guy's back, you got to put a guy up and see if he can do it in the moment. So it's a constant just turnover of attrition. And then you're going to mix lineups up in OTAs anyways mm-hmm, right. just to see what the competition and the fit looks like. I want to see how this double team looks with Isaac and Dan versus Kevin and Dan. Mm-hmm. Or I want to see how this looks like. Okay, let's throw Raven in next to James Daniels just to see if, if, if it's going to look good because you want to just get a full-on look to know, hey, we don't have to go in the draft and go get somebody, or we don't have to go late free agency, one of the guys, and get a street free agent before training camp because we don't like the way it looks. I don't want to get to training camp and be like, this is a nightmare, and, yeah, I, could, right, and right. I could have done it. Or I'm one injury away from disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The key right, is right, having right. a bunch of, as Mike Tomlin likes to call them, NFL dudes. Yes. Uh, guys who have been there and done that, and uh, you, you've, I mean, if you've got if you've got nine capable linemen on your roster, most of you're better four. off than the ninety yeah. percent of the teams out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, that's just the reality of the situation in today's NFL, and and uh, you know, you're, you're going to need that depth. You you just are. Yeah. I mean, well, and and to quote and to quote Terrell Austin, right when he, when he talked about this last year, he's like, I, I need three, I need three starters at cornerback to get two. Yeah. You need right, seven right, right. capable offensive linemen to get five. And it's really the same thing that they did last year at cornerback when they went out and signed, you know. I mean, you, you had more guys than you had spots, but, again, created that competition. You needed all of them. And, you know, the first six games of the year, it was a you know mix and match of who was available that, that yeah. given week. Well, and then you remember at one point only Terrell Evans was <laughs> yeah. healthy guy. Yeah, right, right. Everybody was literally brand new. All that depth that they the had, yeah, now. all the depth they had in, in the defensive backfield was like, whoa, what happened there? Yeah, got none of them. I mean, <laughs> you know, five guys go down. And I can promise it, if you go week 10 of the 2023 season, there'll be 10 to 12 teams that have three, four offensive linemen. I mean, yeah. under five. Yes. There's no question. And then yeah. Steelers are less likely to be one of those now. Yeah, exactly. With this depth, you, you've solidified that opportunity mm-hmm. to make sure that you are a fully bolstered group. 
Well, we're going to take another break. Uh, we, our guest has been uh, Max Starks, a former Steelers uh, offensive lineman. And, of course, uh, he is part of the, pre, uh, the, uh, the game day broadcast, and appreciate that. You can also hear him uh, on Steelers Nation Radio with, uh, with Wolf and Starks uh, during the season. You guys will be kicking that. won't be too much longer now. You'll be kicking I, I know, that back I off. Is that the offseason seems to get – Smaller and smaller. <laughs> yeah. Like we went to Combine yesterday, and the draft will be tomorrow. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> but he is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening uh, to us live from the NFL owners meetings here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We'll be back with more on Steelers Nation Radio right after this. Welcome back. I am Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson, and uh, this is Steelers Nation Radio. We are live from the uh, NFL meetings here in Phoenix, Arizona, with the lovely Biltmore Hotel. We come here every other year for this. Yeah, so right. The other meeting, so they do the meetings here in Phoenix uh, every other year, and then they go to somewhere in Florida. Somewhere east is how I was, yeah. was explained to me, right? And Typically, west coast yeah. and east coast. Yeah, right. But this is the west Florida. coast. Yeah, and this is the west coast <laughs> spot. Huh? I think uh, it's great know, stuff. They, they've got a nice setup here. It's it's you know everything's pretty. Uh, it's easy to get to all in all. And, yeah. You know, right. It's a beautiful town. This place, uh, you know, the the Biltmore here can hold everything, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we're staying right just down the road. Great historic too, and, uh, hotel and and uh, golf it's beautiful. Course and right. Everything at the NFL wants, you know. Sure. Sure. But, so. No, it's been quite an event so far. I'm eye-opening to me, and I've enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, uh, Matt's uh, maiden one. voyage here. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. So taking this all in. Uh, so, again, we had the uh, AFC breakfast this morning. Uh, we had the NFC breakfast as well, uh, where all the coaches uh, kind of, you know, they, set the, again, set them up in tables, and, and uh, you know, people pepper them with questions. And, of course, we had Mike Tomlin. Uh, yesterday for the local media, a uh, chance to sit down with him and uh, have an extensive talk. The first mm-hmm. time he had spoken uh, this entire off season, so there was a lot of questions, obviously, about free agency and things of that nature. Um, but he was asked, as I mentioned before, about Patrick Peterson, and I uh, said, you know, look, look, that was, you know, he's a guy that we identified that uh, we wanted to bring in uh, just because of his, not just his physical ability, but mm-hmm. what he brings you to your room and your team above the neck yeah yeah I I do think there was or I heard some blowback why would you sign someone that age at that position well first of all he's playing very well still yeah and you know I and as soon as that happened you know Sutton goes to the Lions and the Steelers react by getting Peterson okay I mean I, I immediately thought that's a very different style but we talked about this in the first segment I think they might ask him to do more Sutton things and I think at this stage of his career, it's a good move for the player as well. Yeah. And I, my first thought, the second I read the, the blurb, Steelers side Peterson, is, wow, what an ideal mentor for the draft pick that's coming. You yeah. Know? I mean, which I think is coming. For, you know, because like the first 10 years of his career, or eight, eight or nine, at mm-hmm. least anyways, he was shut down and locked on cornerback. Oh, yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Put him on the top, island yeah, and right, just, right. you know, you got that guy. Yeah, exactly. And he can do more than that. And, and if you study the player – all those LSU defensive backs that came after him, and there's a long, a, long a list. Bevy of them, know, yeah. Honey Badger, Stingley, blah, 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 all the way down the line. He's the guy they look up to. You know, like yeah. a lot of defensive backs look up to Dion. Well, all the LSU guys look up to Peterson. I mean, he's kind of like the big brother, you know, the, the, the uncle that's been around the block. Pat Pete, you know, they all, they all love him. So I think he'll be a fan favorite around here. He is older. I mean, could he decline? Absolutely. I mean, not everyone can play forever, but, I mean, I think it's a good the spot. The thing is, for a guy like that um, who ran a four three eight forty 40 in mm-hmm. his, his combine at 200 pounds, you know, 200 plus pounds. He was 218 yeah. in his combine. He right. Big corner. <laughs> right. Big, big corner. 
I mean, those guys, those those premier athletes like that, mm-hmm. they're going to decline a little. He already has more gradually. Yeah. Well, uh, that too. Then, right. Then right, your right. average, you know, I, hey, I was a four or five corner coming out, mm-hmm. and now I'm a four six five guy. Well, yeah. there's a big difference there. You know, if Patrick Peterson's still a a four or five guy, mm-hmm. he's still better than most. Because he's better above the neck than ever. Yeah. You're right. And he probably doesn't pivot and change directions as well as he did. If you threw him in the combine this year, it wouldn't be pretty. I mean, because it's not the – it's, yeah. what, 12 years removed or whatever. I mean, that – but he, on the field, makes up for it in a big, big way. And, again, I loved hearing, you know, some of the stuff you guys have been talking about of maybe he plays some slot. Maybe he, you know, moves closer to the ball. You know, Jalen Ramsey's doing that stuff a lot, yeah. you know. So, it, it, it makes sense because of his size and football. Intelligence. I mean, he had 15 pass defenses and five interceptions last year. Mm-hmm. Got his hands per- on the ball a lot on a bad pass defense. I'd say it's one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Yeah. I mean, they had a couple pass rushers, but their pass defense in general was poor, and he yeah. wasn't one of the reasons why. Right. But they did different things with him, and so you, you wonder, like he, he talked about it in this press conference, that, you know, it was more zone type, and we've talked mm-hmm. about this as well. I think it was only 17% of his snaps were, were man last year. So does this signal a change? In what the Steelers are doing, or, or well, did, you know, did I they... sent you a really good article that Warren Sharp wrote for Fox Sports, I think it was, just last week, and he was looking at massive trends across the league, and at a rapid pace over the last three, four, five years, the league as a whole is going to much less blitz, much higher two high safeties, much more zone. So you're getting four. The pass reason rushes. for that is because so many running quarterbacks are coming into the league. Well, and analytics have told you you can't give up the the ADR bomb, you know. Yeah. So we're gonna if you can nickel and dime us to death, so be it, you know. I mean, so in that regard, I think that every team is playing more zone, rushing four. You know, I mean, Blitzburg isn't going to be a thing where you and ask Peterson to run with Jamar Chase for sixty snaps a yeah. game. You know what I mean? They're just not going. No team's asking them to do that. Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes in the day, just up there pressing people. Mel Blunt, you know, like that's not what the league is now anymore. Yeah, so and, it, and it hasn't been. I mean, that's you know, yeah. when, you know, when people talked about uh, the Steelers playing Tom Brady and they, they can't just go out there and play zone against Brady. Well, you're playing some man against Brady, but you, a they were doing what their what their corners could do at that time. Mm-hmm. But b you can't just go out and play man against those guys either. You no, can't just right. do one thing. You think Gronk can get off man coverage? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And the Steelers, by the numbers I've seen, are a higher percentage man team than most. They were yeah. seventh or eighth in the league. But it's still less than – I mean, league averages drop so much yeah. that it's still not a high like percentage. Like the highest uh, the highest percentage team is 45%. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And a lot of it's situational. Like, we're not going to back off on the six-yard line. You yeah. Know? I mean, if we're in right. tight quarters, we're not just going to play a soft zone. If, if, play, it's, if it's third and 14, we're playing zone. Like Right, right, right. <laughs> Tackle the catch. And so I, I think that's been a little overblown. Steelers are a big man team, and Peterson's better in zone now. Okay. Yeah, I mean – there's some truth to that, and if the, if it doesn't work out, maybe that's a reason why, or he loses two steps. But I think it's a very good calculated risk when you really look at the percentage of these things that are I think, truly take place. I, like game I, game. I honestly think, and, and this comes based off of what Mike Tomlin said today, it would not surprise me to see Patrick Peterson as, as your dime linebacker or a, right. a dime like he's in the just put him in the middle of the field, let him keep his eyes on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, That's what the Rams do yeah. with Ramsey. Right. I mean, they're both – one's a lot older than the other, but Ramsey's up in age now too. 
it, it's easy to avoid Ramsey if he's on the outside all the time. We just don't I look mean, that way. Yeah. Right. I got three quarters of the field to work with and, you know, instead of dealing with him. So they play Ramsey as a star position, which is a big nickel type, yeah. you, know, ro- you know, roaming around. Uh, not that he's freelancing, but I think Peterson could easily do that. I mean, yeah. I think he can come up and tackle Nick Chubb, you know, at the line of scrimmage, you know. Yeah, I think that's the, the beauty of that signing. And so we'll, uh, we will see how that plays out here. Mm-hmm. But uh, certainly Mike Tomlin has had those conversations already with Patrick Peterson. Yeah. So I know people worry, who's the slot? Well, right now I think it's Casey, Minka, and Peterson. Yeah. You know, and, and Millette's still on the team. And Millette's still there as well. It's just a different version of the slot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to take another break here at the top of the hour. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lolly. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We will be back with Hour 2, live from the uh, NFL meetings here in Phoenix right after this.